Hey guys, welcome to The Bottom Half is Red. I'm your host, Baron Longstrath, and I am excited to bring to you a show that is going to give you some thought-provoking discussions. It's going to give you some expert insights to both encourage and some practical steps for how to build an organization that can more effectively introduce the world to Jesus Christ. So what is The Bottom Half is Red? It's all about building a culture of excellence. It's about growing your unique and creative identity. And it's about carrying out the will of God at any cost. So you're gonna see that through practical teaching tips, developing a culture of giving, creating branding and marketing, or even methods to help guests feel safe and welcomed. This podcast is gonna have you covered. But before we dive into today's episode, I wanna take just a moment and extend a special invitation to all of our dedicated listeners. If you're looking to get even more involved in our community and gain some access to some behind the scenes stuff, become a Patreon supporter. And you can find that link in the episode description or even on Patreon, just visit the bottom half is red. Listen, we can't wait to welcome you on board and to share this exciting journey. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hello everyone, and once again, welcome to The Bottom Half is Red. I'm extremely excited about this episode today. I have got my favorite, she's not a guest, but my favorite compadre sitting across the table from me, Raina Longstreth. Say hello, Raina. Hello, Raina. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I like her the best. Uh, we've got an exciting episode. We're going to jump in pretty quickly. A lot of content to discuss. We're going to discuss today on the subject of how to build a team. And I did a lot of study, pre-study about this episode, and it can go in so many directions. And so we have limited the show today to try our best to narrow it down to, we've got five questions. Um, I'm not exactly for certain, baby, we're going to get through all five of those. Um, That's but, okay. But what we do get through today, I think we're gonna um, we're gonna tackle some uh, real life practical things, some some ways that we can try to more effectively, as leaders across the board, build a healthy and successful team. So here's the first question. I, I I'm gonna start uh, by answering the first question, and then it'll lead into a great question. I think Raina, you'll have um, some expert as uh, we try to say some expert insight on this, okay? So we're gonna bring a question to our audience today, and here it is. What are key principles that we have to consider when we are trying to assemble and to nurture a team? And I think this is a very potent question. Uh, in fact, some of these questions have come from our behind the scenes, I like to refer to him as Batman, but from our executive producer. <laughs> So what are some, some of the key principles? So let, let me start off by saying this. When we are looking to consider assembling a team, we have to consider, and this is going to sound a little cliche, but I think we can explain it out. We have to consider the dream before we consider the team. Okay. Mm -hmm. So here's the meaning to that. It has to begin with us first. Yeah. Right. We, we have, it has got to start with us. So before I even consider anyone else, I have to determine what the dream is. What am I aiming for? What am I trying? What am I trying to build? Right? So let's just say it another way that our dream should determine 
or will determine our team. What type of team that we want will be based on what type of dream or vision or expectation, however you want to say that, um, toward whatever platform it is that you're trying to establish, okay? So when we consider the dream, I, I don't know if there's a better example, at least in the Old Testament, than the life of Joseph. So the dream happens to Joseph first. We fast forward, Genesis 45. He is finally now dictating to his brothers. This is the completion of the dream. The dream is not complete in Pharaoh's house. We have to remember that. The dream is is only complete in his own house. It, it, it starts in a home, it ends in a home. It starts with him, it ends with him. That's when the dream is complete. So no matter what team has been assimilated and we know that he has assimilated a team, the dream started with him and ended with him. It was in his own personal home that he was able to dictate these words. And I love these words. And, and there's something powerful about this. He said, it wasn't you that sent me, it was God. And, and he has made me, and I use this terminology quite a bit, a father to Pharaoh. And that's a very important term there. It, it dictates he has made me an advisor, a counselor yeah. to Pharaoh, the Lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout the land. But it was, it was Joseph that had to understand how skillful that he was going to have to be and how God had brought him all the way from his father's house through the various stages of his life into Pharaoh's courts. And as he set before Pharaoh, now Pharaoh is able to say, you're the one that we need. So it was skill. It was that supernatural dream that had been given to him. It was years of consistency. And now he finds himself in Pharaoh's court, and, and here it is. You're the man. So the dream, the dream has to be first and foremost. If you do not know what you're aiming at, how in the world are you going to be able to surround yourself with people who are able to, to hold up that vision? So you've got to have clarity. Clarity matters. You need structural clarity, right? Yes. We need to know where we're going. Mm-hmm. Like every Sunday morning, you know where you're going with the team. God has downloaded that into your spirit and you know where you're going. So we need structural clarity. So don't don't try to assimilate a team. Don't try to nurture a team if you have no idea where you're going. This is what we're talking about here. The dream is essential. Right. So um, all of these things have to be established in order to, and I say all of these things, but I'm, I'm referring to understanding the dream. So here's the question, Ray. I think this is a great question. Okay. So... You've served as, you, you serve in so many different capacities at this church, and this church would not be the same without your leadership. There's no way. But primarily, you have a specific role, not only as a pastor's wife, but as a worship leader at this local assembly. But it doesn't stop there, right? So you go from the local assembly, you've served in our local state, and you've served on a national level. Um, various different capacities. So through the example of leading at these different levels, explain what we are trying to communicate by saying it begins with us first. Well, preparation, you know, it begins with us uh, preparing um, not only the vision, but preparing spiritually. So if I, if, if I were going to lead worship, well, I lead it every Sunday in the fear of the Lord, but consider taking in consideration, um, of where I feel that we are at spiritually, where the congregation is. Um, it has to begin with us first and spending time with the Lord and, and hearing echoes from heaven. That is so important. Mm. There's, you know, you can, 
and we do it here. We get excited about the new songs that are being put out by these amazing apostolic artists. But sometimes it's not just about what just came out. It's about what God really wants us to to sing um, that Sunday. And I believe that if we give him true worship every Sunday, every Wednesday, that he's going to be glorified. And that's when miracle signs and wonders will happen is when true worship happens. Um, and we're not just getting up there just making a noise. Um, so yeah, so preparation has to start with us first, because we have to prepare our hearts and our minds that we are in tune with the spirit and be spirit led. I don't ever want to get up there and not be spirit led and just fill a 15 to 20 minute t- t- you know, time slot. So I just rather sit down if that's something that somebody would like for me to do. So let me push you a little bit. Let me okay. press you a little bit on, on this. Um, preparation. I think that's a key. That's a term in what you just said. Preparation is a key. Explain to me in terms of assembling a team. Let's, let's give an example. You're, we're taking you back to that worship setting. You're at a national level here. So there's a, there's a great importance to that. So on and such forth. Okay. Um, how would you pick? How would you assemble that team in terms of looking through the lens of preparation. I'm going to surround myself with people that I know are going to pick up and take on the burden that I have and the vision that I have. That's exactly right. Talk about that. You know, it begins with us because we have to, you know, prepare and spiritually and stuff and get in vision. So it does begin with us. Well, God gave you the vision. Yeah. So yes. it's right there. It's your, it's your responsibility. Right. Yeah. And then secondly, I'm going to pick a team that is skillful. And I'm also going to pick team members that have an attitude that they can catch the vision. I want them to be qualified. Obviously, they have to be able to be able to hear music and and sing and be able to sing harmony in their parts and stuff like that. But I'm a little bit more interested in their heart. Um, and you want their heart to match your heart. Yeah, I'm a very passionate person. I love um, just pouring into people and I'm going to pick some people that can grasp that and and they want to get on board with the vision that I have yeah. with the same excitement <laughs> well, maybe not all the time but and, and I heard a statement years and years ago and um, I think it was talking about husband and wife but I've often allowed that to spill over into other forms of leadership I don't expect people to have the same level of intensity that I have right I do expect I do I don't yeah <laughs> Yeah, you do sometimes, but you don't. I do, I don't. But I do expect them to have a burden. Right. Yeah, and they're going to pick up on the burden that I have, and they're going to help me carry it out. And some buy-in. Yeah. I need yeah. them to have buy-in on that. And I don't mind being on the front line as long as they're just right back there with me, you yeah. know, and they don't have to be little, little Rainas, but just uh, skillful, and they're going to they're going to buy into this thing. And I think, I think skillful in music, obviously, incredibly important, but let's take this over into maybe a church setting. When we went to build a church, and I thought about how I was going to build people around me, I wanted people that shared the same desires. They might not have been in, as intense about it as I would, but they had the same burden. They, you know, and then I looked, and, and then now I can be able to thin slice things out and say, okay, this person can fit here. But first and foremost, that was the key. So I know that we have quite a following that is going to be interested in your voice, especially your perspective. So I thought you could answer this with your passion about assimilating a team because you want to do things skillfully. And yeah. you believe that that is biblical. It's not just for the sound quality, but skill is goes beyond just sound. And and we can talk about this. And I don't know if we're gonna have time in this episode, but we'll, we'll dedicate an episode to it. 
we'll dedicate an episode to the importance of core values. But without those clear-cut no, yeah, values. Not wavering. Right. Without clear-cut values, we are not able to effectively assimilate a team. They have to know what the parameters are. They have to know what the boundaries are, mm -hmm. A, B, and C. So know where you're going first. First and foremost, know where you're going. Yeah. That's what you have to do. So I understand it's a long way around, but key principles. That's one principle. One principle is understand it begins with you first. Secondly, we have to define standards and values, okay? Because they're going to need to know where and how to operate without standards and values within the organization. I'm going to use you again as an example. In, in the worship atmosphere, you know what? Let's, let's change it over. Let's look at your role as a pastor's wife. Okay. Okay. You teach a ladies Bible study every Wednesday night now mm -hmm. and have for the last few months. Okay. This is a very effective tool. Okay. Describe to each one of us what your standard is, what your value is, why you pour yourself in there. Are you raising anybody else up within that, which you are because you have a dozen ladies or so. And you know, what's the purpose of what you're trying to accomplish there? Well, I just realized there was a bunch of ladies that was coming up to me and had several questions throughout the week, and they were had such a hunger for the word of the Lord. And so I did this last year for a couple of months, and um, we just started it back this year. And I get in there, and we get into the word of God, and we study the word of God together because I am bound and determined to if I can at all possible do anything that I have within me is to raise up a generation of women that are strong in the word of God and that they are strong in their minds and that they are self-disciplined in their minds in the word of God, because we're, we're going to have to have that. Yeah, you know, I, I really like that. So let's talk about how to identify potential leaders. So here at the church today, this is a nonprofit here in the city of Tulsa. We got two campuses making up one church. And we have somewhere around 125 plus leaders, volunteers, um, some have paid, some just absolutely 100% uh, volunteer work. And it, there's a lot of work that has to happen. We rely on 125 leaders. And we have a unique approach. Probably it can be argued with, but we like to call all of them leaders because they are people of influence. They're influencing our culture in some way. So if leadership is influenced and they are influencing our culture. So I do not like to undermine and just say that they're volunteers. We can call them volunteers because they are, but they are leaders. So 125 leaders that work on a weekly or monthly basis. So when I see that in operation on a weekly or a monthly basis, I am gonna ask myself how to spot how or what do I look for, Ray, in regards to seeking out a potential, let's call it a departmental leader. So I'm going to take them from maybe a, a what we'll call like an introductory serving position and place them into managing some sort of a team. Here's some of the things that I immediately look for as the leader of the church today. I look and see where are they presently serving? What are they doing there? Are they faithful? Are they inconsistent? As much as I know, and there are some things that sneak by me, but if I'm inquisitive enough about it, I can ask their team leader because our church is structurally established on a team basis model, and that's for a different episode. But 
I look at them and I say, where are they presently serving? That's a good question to ask. Another great question is what tasks are too small for them? Do they need the, they, they need the high profile tasks? Because a lot of the work at a local uh, assembly in terms of what we do, there is a lot of behind the scenes. So how I identify a potential leader is just by when I spend time with them, uh, listening to their conversation, but also noticing that their giftings and how they interact with people. But also, let's say that I'm going to step down from teaching Bible study. I'm going to look for someone that's faithful, want somebody that has been there, somebody that has been really digging in the word and that has also maybe even reached out to other people outside of the class. They're just a natural born leader and they want to they want to bring people together. They want to they want to bring, you know, uh, people together and learn. Since I'm such a feels person, like it's kind of hard to explain for me. Like I know okay, what so, I'm, I so, know what I'm looking for. So I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I can take it down a practical side. Uh, why don't you give us two minutes or less about what, what are you feeling? Like, what are you feeling out? Like when you, when you see them, what, what, what emotionally speaks to you? How do you, how does that resonate? I don't know how, I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know what's going to come out your mouth, but. Oh, I don't either. Well, let it flow. <laughs> let it, let it flow. I, I watch people even like, I, I watch people interact with people and watch people talk to people after church and I'm not like creeping. Okay. I'm really not, but like, I'm just watching them in their giftings and their what God has called them to be. And I just remember here recently, um, I think it was about a year ago, we, have a, we got a baptismal team. But I remember remember watching people after service and in the altar, how that they were loving on people. And I'm thinking in my mind, they would be amazing to be on the baptismal team because they have that peace and that love about them that would make these people feel so comfortable. But, you know, just the, the giftings, uh, the personalities of people. Um, a servant's heart, a servant's heart. I recently had... Um, a guy and his family move here, and the first thing he wanted to get involved in is cleaning the church. And I was just like, oh my word, he's got such a servant's heart, and he's an amazing drummer. But that's not what we saw first, and that's not what he wanted us to see. He wanted to clean the church, and he just showing up, showing up and being faithful and just showing up. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, no task was too small. No task was yeah. too small. And we look for that. We, yeah. we look for that. I tell you what else we look for. We look for ways that they're connected to other parts of the system. Right. So are they going to just try to pull all of the volunteers towards them and right. to serve their vision, mm -hmm. their desires, or are they a, a networking type person that is just as interested to other parts of the system because every organization mm -hmm. uh, is dependent upon all of the functions of that organization. So how do they connect to other parts of our system? I tell you what I look at. I, I look for somebody that works well with others. Yes. I want to know how they work with others, mm -hmm. especially if they're going to lead a team, mm -hmm. right? So th these are practical things, but they're so effective. How do we spot potential leaders? How do we identify them? Mm -hmm. Well, these are things that we can look for. Look for someone who shows a high level of engagement in their work. Yeah. Like what do they do? Do they do it with passion? There's an exhausting aspect to having to bring a person into a position of leadership and basically having to operate that for them. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like that exhausts me. And I am a very ambitious man. Yeah, and I am a very creative man, and it's very difficult for me to pull myself out of their business because I feel like, and this is a detriment to me, but I feel like I can do that. And most of the time, 
unless it's technical, most of the time I feel like I can do it better. Yeah. Right. But I can't allow my footprint to be larger than their footprint and cover up everything. I got to give them time and opportunity. So, but how do they work? What is their engagement like? How about this? How do they respond to complications? What do they do when they get frustrated? These are things that you're going to want to pay attention to. So if you're trying to spot somebody, especially moving up in an organization, you want to pay attention to how are they operating at present? Do they hold the standards and values of your present corporation? If they don't hold that, if they, you know, if they're not willing to fight for some of those things, like you said, if they're not willing to have that servants type heart, that's very dangerous. I get very impressed with a leader that asks how they're doing. Like, how are we doing? How was that event that we coordinated? Is there anything that we could do better? Is there anything that we need not to do next time? That's very impressive. And it's, I think it's a great quality to have as a leader as that you're always saying, I'm a student, I'm always growing and there's always room for me to grow. And I think that's a great um, quality to have as a leader is to ask. And it brings us right into our, our, our follow-up question to the previous one. And that is, what strategy do we have for developing leadership skills within our team members? Yeah. I've got three points here, a couple of sub points, and you touched on one sub point, right? In that previous statement, it's fantastic. But when I look for what kind of strategy, so what are we using here presently at the church today? First and foremost, the balance. And if there is such a thing as proper balance, I don't know. That that might be another podcast. I'm just throwing out <laughs> ideas for our executive producer. That's another idea. That's another idea. But I, I tell you, first and foremost, I, I look in, in our field, and we are a nonprofit trying to impact our local community and beyond. But a personal relationship is essential. Mm-hmm. So I look for that first and foremost. Now, it's very difficult sometimes to gauge because I don't know how much time that somebody is, is putting in, but it doesn't take long for you to realize, right? Biblically speaking, his word says that by their fruit, yes, they're known. I always say that no one's good. You don't have, no, they don't have to announce. I didn't pray today. We already know that you, you know, <laughs> that you didn't pray or you didn't pray. Just by you walking by. Yeah, it doesn't take very long. Yeah. So first, we're looking at uh, personal relationship. So we, we know that the, with, with, a, with a heart that is pliable, you know, there can be some things that can, we, we could put in there. So I always look for a heart that's pliable when I'm trying to work in developing somebody and I'm going to keep them at an altar. That's, that's very important for us in our, in our business. But I, I tell you what a leader can do any leader, anywhere, pour yourself into them personally. Yes. You're the one with the vision, Ray. Mm -hmm. I'm the one with the vision. How will they know unless I have a personal pouring into, into that individual? Yes. It's essential for us to pour into them and and teach them. So I take the time and not transactionally, we don't want to get into a place where the, the worth of the people is basically just what they can do for me or my vision or this organization. It has to go beyond that. It's how can this organization change them and how can the vision change them yeah. and how does it affect them personally? And so I'm going to do my best to pour into them practically phone calls. Um, we do a lot of Marco Polo around here. There's various ways that you can yes. keep in contact with them. So find some ways to pour yourself into them personally. Sometimes it'll have to be, sometimes you can get away with it monthly or quarterly. Um, a lot of times it's more like monthly. And in some instances, especially if it's new, it has to be weekly. 
you know, you have to take care of yourself, but there are things that you're going to do in order to grow them. And the long term, the long term, sometimes it seems exhausting until six months from now or a year from now, or sometimes two or three years from now, um, all of a sudden now they're holding up your vision for you in a, mm-hmm. in a way that you couldn't operate so without them. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. So, and I tell you, uh, number three is keep organizational needs and operational standards in front of them. Don't throw them into like, okay, we want to develop their skills. Well, fantastic. Skills towards or for what? You know what I mean? Yeah. We've got some impressive leaders in this church, highly skilled, and you know, they're willing to serve in various capacities. And and when I place them just because they have a high skill level, they bring in this high skill level, but they have no idea what our organizational vision or our standard or our needs are. And it's frustrating to them. So in in trying to help develop them, if they're going to be in that position, you've probably seen some things, which we've talked about, right? Yeah. But I think there is a need. There's a need in order to do our best to keep this vision. How often, let me, let me ask you this, how often do you review, let's, let's look back to the worship aspect. Uh, your band is incredibly important and it's unique because your band shifts. You don't have the same people no. every week. Uh, band leader maybe, but other than that, you're, you're, you have a high rotation. So it's, there's a lot of work for you just in the weekly or monthly operation here at the church. And that's two campuses. But how often do you take time for vision casting? Realistically. I'm going to cast something every Sunday. Every I'm going to say something every Sunday that points back to the core values or the vision of why we're here, what we're doing. Probably every Sunday they're going to get a pep talk. <laughs> I mean, it just, I would not, but I'd also say about three times a year that I would reinforce the vision, reinforce the core values for certain. But every Sunday I'm going to say something about our purpose, why we're here, why we're singing whatever songs we're singing this morning. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times people are, I, I mean, they're, they're, they're highly skilled. You brought them on the team because you saw something that you saw a, a, a spark that you, you knew that this is a part of the future. A lot of times the why, yeah. they're, they're there because they have had that time. Yeah. It's not like we're bringing somebody up, uh, you know, from a complete child. Now that's a different story, but we're talking about leaders now putting them into managerial, you know, for instance, your band leader the same way that, that he's been with us almost since the very beginning of his we raised skill him level. Since he yeah. was like 15. Yeah. And now you, you knew, but keeping that why in front of I him. I think the why is something that we constantly have to remind ourselves of what we're doing it's so easy to lose the why to forget the why to get the distra- it's distractions it's life it's it's pain it's it's hard sometimes to remember the why mm. so we do talk about the why a lot let me ask you this question and i think we'll, uh, we'll we might go ahead and end somewhere around this question i think it's a great question to ask when when you have 125 or 25 yeah there is going to be conflict there's going to be personnel issues. Right. It's something that you consistently have to deal with. You have to deal with maintaining a culture of excellence and yet also having a culture of unity. So personally, Ray, how do you resolve conflict as a main leader in this church? Our conflict resolution is Matthew 18, 15 through I think it's 17. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And 
if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Verse 16, but if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. Verse 17, and if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Um, so our our leaders have delegated authority that if somebody in that within that team that they're leading has violated the core values, which our core values would be unity and love and such, um, you know, then they could go to them and just make it right and communicate. I hate conflict. I hate it so bad. I don't like confrontation, but it's very healthy. It's very healthy to do so and to keep healthy team members is when you're doing it according to the word and doing it in love. One of the worst examples of a lack of conflict resolution would be this, you know, in, within the first family. So you have Adam and Eve. Now you have Cain and Abel and Cain took his, his anger. He took his, uh, whatever you want to call it, his frustrations out on his brother. Mm-hmm. And the, the key is, is that Cain's sacrifice had nothing to do with Abel's sacrifice. Right. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Cain Cain brought one, Abel brought one. It wasn't dependent on, it had nothing to do with it. And normally, what I've seen over the span of 25 years of leadership is normally there is a frustration within oneself. Yes. A lack of, and then you start, instead of correcting that issue, which Cain could have, biblically speaking, he could have corrected that issue very simply. And the Lord told him that. Instead of doing that, he reared out against his brother. So, but would have what could have been resolution right there would have salvaged uh, the life of Abel. Now, I know that's an extreme in terms, but I think the principle remains the same. Conflict within an organization that is unresolved normally leads to a deeper and deeper it does. and deeper. And it and it's a lot of times it's easily fixed just by communication. Soft answer turns answer turns away wrath. It's the word of God that it works. And also, too, to be quick to hear and slow to speak, that helps. <laughs> I'm still learning. Thank you so much for joining us on The Bottom Half is Red. Uh, listen, I hope you have enjoyed your time with us today and gained something of value. If you love what you heard today, please do not forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. This helps us. Your feedback is incredibly crucial and we want to improve on what we're doing and to bring you the best content possible. You can find us on Facebook, look us up, Instagram, even YouTube at the bottom half is red. Hey, be sure to check the episode description for any links to any resources that we have mentioned during the show. You don't want to miss out. This podcast is a production of The Church Today here in the great city of Tulsa, and the executive producer is our very own David Tandra. I hope you've had a fantastic time, and we look forward to having you with us again on our next episode of The Bottom Half is Red. We'll see you then.